So today we'll be talking to Chinu. He is the uh, UX researcher in conversational UI at BMC Software and also the VP of the Austin chapter of UXPA. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mark, for having me here. It's a real honor to be part of your podcast episode for today. Great to hear it. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Chinu. And as Mark mentioned, I'm the UX researcher at BMC Software, where I focus a lot on conversational AI in the enterprise space. And outside of work, I'm also the VP of Austin UXPA, and where I'm all about bringing together all the different people within UX, whether it be researchers, designers, front-end developers, interaction designers, you name it all together in one spot to celebrate our field of user experience and to engage in uh, furthering the future of our of our field. Oh, really? Um, so how did you uh, get into AI? What, the first role I've ha- uh, had that revolved around uh, chatbots and AI was when I joined Olivia.ai uh, four years ago. When I actually met my manager at the time, he didn't tell me that it was a chatbot. He told me that it was a new personal finance app that was all about helping users save money in various areas, such as grocery shopping, eating out, clothes shopping, travel, etc. At first, when I thought about it, I thought it would be just like another uh, dashboard personal finance app like Mint or at the time, Level Money. That was something that I was that I had initially in mind. He pitched to me like this. He told me that there are apps like Mint and Level Money that show how much spending, how much money you're spending. But the problem is that's all they do. They just show you how much money you're spending, but they don't tell you how you can save money. At the time, I was really into behavioral economics. I read Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, Predictably Rational by Dan Ariely, as well as uh, 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 Robert, the classic uh, influence by Robert Cialdini on the psychology of persuasion. He pitched the problem to me at that. I was really intrigued. Fast forward to when I actually started working at the uh, startup, he, we actually got into a conversation where he was telling me that how do you usually get information on how to do things and i would say well i would ask someone for help and i would actually ask for advice and then he, that was when he introduced me to the idea of conversational ai and that you're actually int- uh, you're interacting with a chatbot through a messaging interface and how how i really got started with uh, with that and so it was really at the time back in 2015 nobody was really talking about designing for chatbots when it when it came to chatbots it was assumed that everything was just it was all just programming and that was it that uh, doing the work uh, involved actually uh, coming up with a conversation flow, uh, a, a visual flow chart that showed how the user would progress through the conversations. And I would have to outline a lot of that. And then I would also have to do a lot of writing and revising and editing of the chatbot bubbles too. And then also coming up with different rules of how the conversation would flow, the a number of options the users are provided to progress through the conversation, number of characters per chat bubble, etc. So there was a lot of thinking involved in uh, in designing the conversations that um, that at the time I felt was 
very unconventional of a UX person since I usually since I wasn't designing the uh, wireframes or or site maps or or even doing any visual stuff. A lot of my work was creating flowcharts and writing dialogue. So, but looking back at a lot of this and looking at a lot of the calls that talk about designing conversations. I look at them and I'm like, hey, I actually did that very same process without even realizing it. So it's it's pretty um, humbling to be a part of this this movement. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, I feel the same way. Um, so now that you're at uh, BMC Software, so what topics do you find interesting uh, that you're designing for now? Yeah, absolutely. So as a UX researcher at uh, BMC Software, um, it's really good to see the emerging field of conversational UI from a, uh, a research perspective as opposed to a designer's perspective because now we we not only just make as it's now we have to actually test out our assumptions to be able to see what works and what doesn't and it's a it's a really exciting part of it and I feel a, and I would argue a very very important part of making sure that conversational AI is adopted. And so when it, when it comes to uh, to give some perspective, at BMC Software, it's an enterprise software company that creates enterprise solutions. So one of, and one of the recent things that we're being a part of is our chatbot platform. So with our with our with our chatbots, our goal is to be able to expedite a lot of customer service issues. So being able to solve basic, uh, custom support issues like resetting a password or uh, requesting appointments or new our new products uh, are some of the things that we are trying to make the chatbot be able to do. We also create uh, front-end platforms for our target users who are in the admin space, uh, people that run service help desks, who track uh, ticket in- uh, incidents for tickets, we're trying to make sure that they're able to create a simple, uh, to be able to create a simple bot without any coding involved, such that they can be able to deploy it out in their respective companies. Problems really involve a lot of of really understanding who these users are. So making sure that we do the generative research on the people that are uh, on their day to day lives when it comes to interacting with them, uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to basically uh, how they do their current jobs. And then we also have to understand their pain points as well, too, and understand like their technical capacities as well, too, so that we can be able to make sure that the tools are very accessible for them and don't involve like extra technical knowledge to be able to uh, set up a chatbot. Those are some things we have to keep in mind. And we also have to keep in mind uh, all the things that are involved in the chatbot building process, such that it, they're able to, all the team members can be able to work well together. The designers, the uh, product managers, and the developers are able to work together, bring the chatbot out, uh, out live without any silos. That's one part of it, the generative part of it before building the product. But then there's also testing out the concept. So I do a lot of testing, usability testing on various 
uh, design concepts. And as a, I work closely with a lot of our designers to make sure we're making the best design uh, decisions possible. They come to me and they always ask me about like, you know, we're, we're trying to see if the layout for this, uh, which which layout for uh, cards works best, if it's horizontal or or vertical, for instance, or if they are how the error messages are displayed or how um, or being able to switch between chatbots, whether this concept uh, is something that would actually make sense to the users. Basically, what I would do is I work closely with them to set up a study plan such that we are testing a particular feature between all the different users and then create uh, creating a task for what the users are trying to accomplish. And we do that via envision to simulate this experience and then what i do is i actually do unmoderated usability testing using usertesting.com or i've also done remote moderated usability testing via our communication tools remotely uh, and then be able to analyze how people are moving through the screens and also or moderating the sessions as well all right great let's go ahead and move on to the process so if you want to go ahead and walk me through the process of how you get the customer, the machine learning that they want or need. So um, just go ahead and tell me how you conduct a usability study on chatbots. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I do is communicate with the designers about the concepts that they're currently working on. And I take a look at the concepts, and then I think this is something that we really need to test on. I take a look at the prototype, and then I come up with a, a plan for a scenario for the users to, to test upon. Through communication with the designers, we set up the prototypes. It's really focusing on that particular task. Once we actually have the plan set, I make sure that the prototype, which in our case we use Envision, is uh, running smoothly. The users, uh, such that the users are able to not get overwhelmed by all the different uh, different hots that it's a prototype with limitations. And so, depending on the nature of the study, sometimes I would do a remote moderated study. If I'm actually testing out, if it's a more complex task, I would actually do a remote moderated study where I would recruit participants using our third party vendors. And then I would actually uh, moderate the sessions and uh, making sure that uh, really emphasizing the talk aloud approach and making sure that to really so that we can understand like uh, like what's on their minds, how they feel about the uh, presentation of the chatbots personality. And so making sure that that there's a concrete goal and at the same time not being too hand-holding to the point where you're just giving away the uh, the solution or the, uh, or as they're progressing through uh, the task. Basically, once I actually, after I deploy out the studies and after I can either uh, finish all the moderated studies or, or finish the unmoderated studies, I would actually go ahead and analyze and synthesize a lot of the information and find a lot of insights from that. And I would basically communicate those findings to my fellow designers and a product manager, as well as our product manager, and making and make sure to make the best uh, recommendations. Um, so what are the key insights that you've learned from your usability studies that you've done? The, one of the big things that I've learned from Bohr, if, if user says, hello, how may I help you? It leaves the users very puzzled about how to move forward in the conversation. There's a lot of cognitive load involved when it comes to thinking about uh, when it comes from the user side, when it comes to 
how to answer the chatbot. It can leave a lot of people frustrated and not ending up using the chatbot. But on the other hand, if you're actually very upfront about what the chatbot is for, such as I, I can help you with uh, setting up your Wi-Fi. I'm still learning, but as as we work together, I can get better. It's really important to really emphasize on the purpose as well as the fact that AI is not perfect. And in order for it to get perfect is you need repeated interactions with it because we don't really, users don't really have a clear mental model of how AI and machine learning works because all the information displayed just feels very arbitrary. And so you want to make sure that users are clear about how it works. Uh, algorithms get better the more the user uses it. That's one key thing. What are some of the signposts that you use for letting the user know kind of where they are and what's going on? Yeah, so um, when it comes to, um, I can give you like one example of like uh, a signpost. So one of the areas that we're exploring is uh, having multi-bots. One of the big problems with chatbots is they, there's only four, the best chatbots are the ones that are very specialized and it's really hard to train a lot of information all at once. So like for instance, one chatbot could be specialized in handling HR requests while the other one can be handling IT requests. So we were exploring the concept of, of switching between bots. Uh, depending on how the user requests information. One of the biggest challenges that we faced early on was that it was really hard to for users to keep track of which chatbot they were speaking to. So one idea that we were we were we were toying around with was the idea of graying out a previous conversation with a previous chatbot along with having a headline between uh, the, the chatbot that they're currently conversing with and uh, just as a divider so that it lets them know that they are in, an, in a conversation with a different chatbot. And uh, from the usability studies, it definitely showed uh, promise and it made a big difference compared to just uh, default and just invisibly uh, showing just a profile icon of the chatbot. Uh, that's one signpost. Another one is uh, in error messages too. Is one of the things that we've learned from our studies is that it's really important to let the users know why the error happened, and also the type of the the way it's displayed really matters too. Users tend to respond better to yellow error messages as opposed to red ones because red ones cause a lot more anxiety. That was one thing we've learned from the usability studies is to make sure to... So how, how do you convey color when it's a chatbot? So our chatbots are actually more uh, more visual in nature. They're not the SMS type of chatbots. That was one thing I should mention. Oh, uh, okay. Sure, sure. So you were talking about having multiple chatbots. Yeah, so how, sure. What, what uh, heuristics do you use for your chatbots to be able to choose which one you want to use? And one of the key things with uh, transition chatbots is in the keywords that the user that the user types in. And so if the user is typing in keyword things like resetting the password for their account, they would actually go into the IT uh, chatbot since it, uh, the issue revolves more around IT. But if it's something about adding uh, personal information, like let's say that the user got married and has a new last name. If the user says, I need to uh, update my profile, 
uh, they would uh, the chatbot would pick up on the profile part of it and would transition to the HR chatbot since it's really devolving revolving around uh, information about the user's profile. So keywords is one of the things how the how the chatbot is interpreting the keywords and is interpreting um, the what the user is trying to do, otherwise known as intents. Those are one of the one of the key heuristics when it came to uh, transitioning to the chatbot, whether uh, transitioning between chatbots, whether you, whether the chatbot understood what it was requesting and whether it was aware of of which other chatbots are able to fulfill the user's request. So having that awareness and, and intelligence of the co- and context. The other part of it, uh, when it, um, the other heuristics is making sure that the onboarding part of the chatbot, whether how how the chatbot actually communicates itself of its capabilities, as as mentioned before, of what it can do to help the users. And uh, those are some real those are some real key things with the heuristics when it came to multibot. Now, so with BMZ, that with that being enterprise software, what have you noticed is the difference between, say, consumer uh, AI and enterprise AI? Oh yes, there are tons of differences between uh, consumer AI versus uh, enterprise AI. So being on the consumer end with Olivia.ai, the users are much more are more general. They're not very, uh, they aren't uh, exactly subject matter experts in their respective fields. And, and so you had to make sure that you, uh, you tailored the language to something that is very relatable for a lot of users. And also with more consumer facing AI, your engagement really matters a lot, a lot more compared to enterprise AI because if the user is interacting with the chatbot very, very often for a long period of time, it's a sign that users really are, are coming back to the chatbot to continue to interact with it more. Whereas with enterprise AI, they revolve around free up uh, the amount of, uh, of workers involved in uh, the customer service because customer service is very, very expensive. And so you want to make sure that you have AI that's able to solve very simple solutions, the tier one level type of issues like resetting passwords or requesting things, uh, requesting like software, etc. For the more complex issues, you can have the the customer service representatives be able to focus on the more complex issues and work closely with the humans. With more enterprise focus, it's really about all about making sure that users are getting a more a very efficient experience that they're able to resolve. Uh, things in a very timely manner and not have enough time waste and not have a lot of time wasted. Uh, so that, those are the key things I would say are big differences. One of the problems that I've noticed for um, AI and especially for chatbots is the need to iterate quickly uh, so that you can make sure that software is aligned with the user needs. Uh, do you have any tips on how you can try and iterate prototypes quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I iterate, uh, we work on uh, designs very frequently at work. So one of the, one of the big things that I would definitely say is don't focus on like a full, uh, on testing, uh, all the features at once. Instead, focus on a specific portion of a, cha- uh, of a chatbot design concept and, 
Uh, and also to be able to uh, address the amount of time involved, unmoderated usability testing is definitely the way to go, especially if you're trying to test out a, uh, a specific feature. And if you set the studies right, you can be able to get um, great feedback in a very timely manner in less than an hour with usertesting.com. And so I would say definitely say that um, really it's really about getting into a good uh, pattern and a good schedule when it comes to being able to test out your chatbots, uh, chatbot concepts properly. So make in, in short, making sure that you uh, you select a specific uh, feature to test and that you're able to. Uh, and that you're able to set up a specific task revolving around that specific feature. Uh, and then also being able to, uh, uh, to take advantage of unmoderated usability testing tools like usertesting.com to be able to get the feedback in, in less than an hour and be able to just quickly analyze a lot of that information to find uh, the, the key things to present the next day and and do so in a very and being able to do so in a very iterative manner such that it reaches uh, uh, that uh, our it reach release schedules on time for for that how have you had it so that you keep the AI aligned to you know what the users want one of the key things when it comes to t- testing it is, uh, it's it's from previous studies, like generative UX, uh, generative research studies on the people we're building the products for, and making sure that we have those uh, the past information about our findings uh, there in mind before creating our prototypes, and really keep making sure that we have those those requirements in place. The other part of it is to test out how people feel about interacting with AI. That's a really key thing because a lot of people have a lot of biases towards towards AI, such as a fear of AI taking away their jobs and also a fear that uh, a fear of, of AI invading their privacy. But at the same time, there's also a lot of people that get very blindly optimistic about um, about the subdued uh intelligence of AI. Uh, this idea that AI is super smart, it knows everything, it can read your mind. And that's not really the, but that's not really the case at all. A, uh, the AI only uh, only gets smarter the more information it's fed. And so you want to be able to really communicate that properly. So being able to set proper expectations in the conversation is really key. And it's something that is really important to test out in usability studies is to be able to see how well uh, the di- uh, the uh, chat bubbles, the writing actually uh, communicates with the user, and how do users feel about the dialogue too? And because the dialogue is what really makes or breaks uh, the experience for the users, it's what ha- it's what drives the. U- it can be something that drives the user to interact with the chatbot more because of the fact that one, the dialogues, uh, the personality that is imbued by the dialogue is something that's very attractive, or it can be something that can be annoying. Um, and also that it it's saying what it's, uh, the dialogue is actually uh, clearly and succinctly explains what how the chatbot can help the users such that the users can think, can think about what keywords they can type in or to progress through the conversations as opposed to being puzzled. And then of course, you wanna make sure that 
um, the users know that it's an AI, the chatbot that they're speaking to and not a real human. So making sure that you actually have a mascot persona of a chatbot to make uh, so that uh, users know that it's a chatbot as opposed to a uh, stock photo of a human, because that can easily uh, confuse people and could also uh, uh, make it creepy if it doesn't work out properly and people realize that they've been interacting with the bot the whole time. So making sure that those boundaries and uh, expectations are set are really clear. And also making sure that... um, in our case, in the enterprise space, especially, uh, making sure that um, the ch- the chatbot is uh, dialogue uh, not only shows that they are what they're capable of, but that they also care about the users. That's something that we've also discovered with uh, usability studies is that it, when we designed the chatbot to be very uh, proactive, please help me help you. Uh, you know, uh, let me know how I can help you, all of that, uh, that they found was, uh, they felt really appreciate, they really appreciated it because it felt that, um, that it felt like the company was really caring about the users and their needs. And that, that while it may not be perfect, it's trying its best to help the users. And that's something that is what a lot of users really appreciated, especially when it came to, uh, troublesome, customer service experiences. In short, transparency needs to be communicated through dialogue. So when you create the prototypes, how do you make sure that you're keeping the prototype to be aligned to what the user needs are? So right now, we still don't have personality locked down in the enterprise space right now. The only hints of it that we have right now are through our dialogue, like, you know, our uh, the appearance of being proactive. But I feel like, uh, but it's still something that we still need to explore further to see like what sort of personality really matters for the chatbots. Because the, at the end of the day, chatbots, if we're going to have, even for enterprise, uh, you want to make sure your chatbot is representing the company's brand. And you want to make sure that it's being represented well. And it is something that is very memorable and and something that people can have an affinity for and also something that is uh, uh, that actually is doing the job well because if you invest so much in developing a chatbot and it's something that uh, not only doesn't work but it's something that users aren't actually going or gravitating towards then it's a lot of wasted money so it's uh, one of the things that uh, I I would really love to explore further is how does personality apply in the enterprise space? Is it just supposed to be a cold experience where you're just uh, resolving things quickly or is there more to it than that? The applications that you're creating, uh, how, how would you distinguish between uh, kind of the normal design and the chatbot design that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So there's one of the th- things about chatbots, and it's also a really challenging part of conducting a usability study for a chatbot, is that because you your, your experience is basically uh, a lot of text and it's basically moving uh, in one direction, which is basically kind of going downwards on the screen, 
Uh, it uh, the tricky part of it is that you have to make sure that you're uh, you have to construct the studies in such a way that uh, you're you're asking specifically what uh, what the users are trying what the users need to accomplish in the task. But at the same time, you don't want to you don't want to give away too much information. Uh, and so you have to make sure to uh, construct a study such that there is a concrete goal and that there are there are some subtasks involved uh, to reaching that goal. But you want to make sure that you're not giving away too much amidst the linear experience, a uh, website or a mobile app where it's more open ended and you're basically trying to. Uh, the users actually have uh, a lot more uh, open rein when it comes to moving around the screen. Something to really keep in mind when it comes to designing a chatbot usability study is making sure that you're giving enough context but not giving away too much information. To work closely with your designers to make sure that the design concepts for the prototypes that you're uh, that they're working on are ma making sure that they're progressing through properly and that they are you're focusing on a specific concept design concept as opposed to too many things at once uh, uh, and you're also you also have to make sure that um, you're 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 uh, making sure that you're setting the uh, uh, setting the context for the task, like you know, you are a you're an employee at a company, and that recently got this chatbot that can help you with this and this. But you're not after that giving them the task of you need to update such and such and such information through this chatbot. You're setting up the context for what the chatbot's for, and then from there you're trying to see like how they navigate through the screen. But if there's a lot of multiple steps in between getting to that goal, you want to make sure that you're informing them such that you're giving requirements such as following profile needs such and such information. So making sure that you lay it out uh, is is important. If they get to think they got to an endpoint that has information that's totally different, that could automatically get them um, to think that, you know, I didn't get the information, I give up on the task, when really it's just part of a subtask. So making sure that you're you're clear in your instructions is really really important uh, in designing a chatbot study, especially since the conversations are very very one to one and very turn based, and you want to be able to test how well they can navigate through this turn based interaction. Got it. So actually, that brought up a good question. What is good design uh, for you know the handoff between research and design? Uh, mm -hmm. What is the good design that you'd be looking for uh, when you're interacting with a designer for a chatbot? Yeah, so one of the key things that's really important when it comes to uh, that uh, working together with designers is that the designers are very, very flexible when it comes to um, the uh, design decisions and also their willingness to be able to test things. One of the things I really appreciate with my colleagues is that they always come to me about like, you know, they have a design concept and uh, they're really interested in testing it out. Um, that's a really that's a really important thing, because oftentimes people get very attached to their design concepts and they just make assumptions about their users without actually testing it out to see if it works or if it doesn't. 
And so it's really important. They designers need to have that curiosity of 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 wanting to learn more about how users feel about a design and not just be blindly attached to a design simply because they think it looks cool or not. Uh, then it's also really important to uh, for designers to be able to um, understand um, the uh, under- and to be able to really absorb the feedback from the users from uh, based off of the findings and what the data says. And it's re- and again, it, it's really about not being too attached to a concept or a design. And and being able to openly take the the feedback and make adjustments quickly and being very proactive about it is very very key. Uh, finally, I one of the the other things the other thing that's really really important is when it comes to designing a usability study. Uh, I always I work like I've mentioned I always work very closely with uh, the designers to make sure that not only. Uh, that the prototype is working for what we're trying to test it for. And we want to make sure that uh, when working... And so one of the biggest challenges I faced when it came to designing uh, the uh, the chatbot usability studies is making sure that users are actually taking the time to uh, observe the screen without clicking or tapping anything of of what they are seeing on screen and it was something that i worked with the designers on to make sure that we actually had a quick pop-up to explain to that explains like you know before moving on to the task you know uh, uh, uh take a look at this upcoming screen and describe what you see and also making sure that there are like transitions between prototypes too uh if we're doing if we're comparing two different design concepts to be able to talk about like the importance of of testing out the different concepts and making sure that you set up the the prototype files to be able to allow for the the flexibility to be shown uh, to be uh, to show the designs in an alternate matter that uh, we don't have any biases such as uh, you know the prime primacy and recency effect of prototypes where preferences are stated only because they've been because it was either the uh, latest version or the earliest version, and that you make sure that the designers are really clear that you know it's important to make sure that the design concepts are randomized and that users have that uh, there can be a lot of biases involved too and being able to uh, to recognize them. Okay, cool. And when you are working with the designers, how do you decide when uh, AI or machine learning is the right tool as opposed to using some other tool or another solution? I see a lot of times is that people latch on to chatbots because it's created a lot of buzz and that there's a lot of a lot of hype and promises behind such solutions. But the thing is that it can't be used to solve everything. And so one of the things that I look at, uh, uh, one of the things to really keep in mind and that I look at is what is the current state of the problem space? Like how do people actually currently um, uh, do activities with the current solutions out there? That's really, really important because you want to be able to see whether users are able to perform their activities well and efficiently and you want to see how many pain points there are. And as you're looking through them, uh, the amount of pain that's involved in the steps and and to see whether uh, why the pain points are happening the way they are 
and also why why users are feeling the way they are too. Uh, so when it comes to observing a lot of this information, it's it's you know it's important to be uh, agnostic about any sort of solutions to addressing the problem uh, because it allows for a lot more flexibility. Now, with that said, when it comes to AI and when it comes to AI and chatbot solutions. The reason why uh, uh, why enterprise uh, is really latching onto that is that they're really they're trying to solve the problem of of being able to resolve customer support issues because hiring a bunch of uh, humans can be really really expensive in customer support. The thing is that the execution of it hasn't really uh, taken off as much as people wanted it to because of the assumption that this uh, the chatbot and AI just works magically, just feed it a bunch of data and let it do it and just let it run and call it a day. But really, it's it's not as simple as that as you and I both know. It's really important to be able to understand what are the common issues that users face and being able to think about what the chatbot is really good at, which in this case is being able to uh, calculate with precision and being able to uh, being able to uh, resolve simple issues very quickly. You also realize that humans are a lot stronger when it comes to being able to think critically, uh, think outside the box, and also being able to empathize with the people as well. And so when you, when you have that in mind, you can be able to uh, design the chatbot experience that enables uh, human AI cooperation as opposed to automation, t- uh, uh, just uh, running automation and making humans obsolete. And I, I, that's something that a lot of people in the enterprise space have had to learn the hard way and are slowly realizing that you know, chatbots do have a place. It's just a matter of how we design it in a very smarter way, as opposed to brute force, uh, as opposed to being completely brute force. Chatbots definitely have a future, but it's a matter of being able to understand what they're capable of and making sure that they're filling a void that current solutions can't address. All right, great. Well, that's a good point to wrap up on. Um, So... Yeah, how can people contact you if they want to reach out to you? Absolutely. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. So find me, uh, uh, find me via LinkedIn, and I'm also on Instagram as well at chinu.chari is my handle, and I'm also on Twitter at minstrelman91. And my I also have a medium page for a couple of my articles that I've written too. So feel free to follow me there. And if you're interested in uh, the talks I've given this past year, I uh, uh, you know feel free to check out the SlideShare link as well as my link to my uh, the uh, the talk that I gave at Big Design Conference. All right. And I'll go ahead and link those uh, talks in the show notes. Um, are there any interesting events or things that are happening that you wanted to let everyone know about? Absolutely. So. The the beauty of the space is that it's uh, it's a very young space in the UX area in the UX arena, and so there are a lot of new things that that are going on. Things like the Alexa Prize for conversation uh, that uh, Amazon has uh, given out to figure out which um, how uh, the most conversational AI possible, 
And then there's also a lot of work on setting standards, usability standards for chatbots. And one of the one of the things to look out for is chatbottest.com, which is an open source project on setting usability heuristics for for chatbots. And um, I also have a couple of book recommendations as well, too. One of them being Most Human Human by Brian Christian, which really talks about uh, really provides insights on AI from uh, by understanding what what makes us human, which is really, really key when it comes to figuring out how to design for uh, a chatbot exp- uh, uh, experience that feels very human like. And then recently, a new book was released by Janelle Shane on called "You Look Like a Thing and I Love You," and it's a it's a book about the weirdness of AI and why like how AI works and why it works in a very weird way. And it has a lot of insights, so I highly recommend people checking out those books. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again, and that's it for this episode. Thank you. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Design for AI. And if you have any questions or about this episode or anything else that we've talked about, go ahead and record a message on your phone using your message app. Then go ahead and email it to podcast at designforai.com. It's also an awesome way to let me know what you'd like to hear more of. Or if you have any questions or comments, go ahead and record a message for those too. So thank you again, and remember, with how powerful AI is, let's design it to be usable for everyone.